one of the reasons that a lot of people like the movie Home Alone is because it resonates with a couple of things. First of all, it combines one of our, maybe our, certainly one of mine, childhood fantasies of being the king of my own castle, defeating the bad guys, and just being the action hero of my own movie. We, we've got that in, inner built fantasy within us. It, you know, to be the king of our castle, to be alone, to get rid of our family, get rid of our annoying parents, and be the king of our own castle, and be all alone. It's, you know, it kind of ticks that box. But also, on, an, on the other side of things, it also dabbles with our deepest, darkest fear of being all alone. When the reality sets in, Kevin McAllister, he realizes that this is quite a scary ordeal, being an eight-year-old boy, all alone. But add, and recently I've become a parent, add in the parent element. Why does Home Alone resonate with so many people? It's because our deepest, darkest fear as a parent is to lose our kids. Now, if you don't know the story, you know, the family are going on a holiday to Paris, and they accidentally, bearing in mind there are um, 11 children, 11 kids involved in the story, two families, brother and brother, so two, two, four adults and 11 kids going away to Paris. They sleep in a whole kind of turn of events, which I haven't got time to go into. Um, the situation unfolds that Kevin because he'd been naughty the day before and he'd been sent to the attic room and because of a whole number of other series of events that ensured that poor little Kevin was left all alone in the attic and the family only realized on their flight from Chicago to Paris. <laughs> and um, the story continues that um, it's kind of a two-part story in one way. You've got Kevin defending for his life the house that the wet bandits, Harry and Marv, are trying to attack. They're trying to, they're called the wet bandits because they leave the tap running in the basement and they flood the houses whilst they rob the houses. And the whole neighborhood has gone on holiday because it's, it's Christmas. So they're just having a field day robbing houses. So Kevin, um, he defends his house against the enemies. The other side to the story is this heartfelt, oh my goodness, a, a mother has lost her child. She will move hell and high water to get back on Christmas Eve to her son. So she makes you know, an incredible journey. She goes on a couple of flights. She, she get, hitchhikes a lift with, um, a, a, I think, like a traveling band, isn't it? A, a kind of an orchestra or something. She, she travels, I think it's roughly 700 miles in that yellow van, all the way back home to the end of the film where Kevin and are reunited and it's a great story so that's how um home alone unfolds and i was looking at that film watching that trailer thinking oh it's quite a, it's, you know it's quite a sinister graphic violent movie what good news what lessons as can we as a church learn from home alone well i thought for, for a freebie if you are ever in a situation like kevin where you've got to defend for your life if you are ever in a situation where you've got to defend your house against Harry and Marv, the wet bandits, I've got five tips for you from Kevin McAllister. Five booby traps. He, he, I think he booby traps his house roughly 15, 16 times, just for the sake of time. We've got five. So in case you've not seen the film, here's some top tips. The first one is you could um, attach a, a flamethrower. <laughs> What's it called? It's a, a, a blowtorch, not a flamethrower. That would be even worse. A blowtorch to a piece of string, and as the door opens, it blows fire onto your enemies and sets his hat and his hair on fire. So that's one booby trap. That's one thing you could do. By the way, disclaimer, don't try any of this at home, especially if there's any children. 
So number two, we have the next one. You could attach a, a, a can of paint to a banister, swing the paint down and hit the enemies in the face. Um, and, you know, they, get, they lose a few teeth in the process. That's number two. Number three... Uh, you can't quite see it, but he's got an iron mark on his head because he turns on the light switch um, in, in the basement, I think it is, and then the light, the, the iron comes from the, the floor above down the uh, laundry chute and hits him on the head. Again, sorry for the violence, but these are booby traps in case you ever need them, okay? Um, next one, um, you can't quite see it in the image. Uh, by the way, Home Alone was 1990, nearly 30 years ago. That's why the images are a bit grainy, because it's not HD. But anyway, so there we have Kevin pouring water on an icy step, and you see a few times in the film, Marv and Harry fall on the icy step. So again, please do not try this at home. <laughs> but if you need to booby-trap your house, there's a few top tips here. And then there's one more. There was actually two more. That's you can put a hot, um, a hot iron on, on the door handle, and it'll, as long as it's the right, uh, you know, it's a metal door handle, it'll... The other side, when, when the burglar tries to get in, it'll burn their hand, and it does. There was a, four, a, a fifth one, but I felt sick when I showed you the picture. I'll explain it to you. <laughs> it, was, it was when um, they put uh, tar on the steps, and he gets his, his feet all mucky, so he takes his shoes and socks off, and he goes, and there's an image, and he's about to step on, an, on a nail. So I didn't want to show you that one, but that's another BB trap which you could use for another day. But please don't try any of this at home. So in case you're thinking, well, there's nothing in Home Alone that I can learn from. I'm going to switch off. Well, at least I've given you five things that you could do in case of an emergency. <laughs> but also, I'm going to show you a couple of clips in just a second. Um, and then we're going, to, we're going to focus on the Bible. We're going to begin with Home Alone. And then we're going to somehow bring it into Christmas. That's how we're going to do it this morning in the next 20 minutes. But the first clip, um, let, I'll let your clip do the talking. But before we, before we press play, I'm going to show you two clips. And, and for me, these two clips summarize not only Kevin's emotions in this whole experience, but I think they also summarize kind of the state of humanity, the state of my heart, potentially the state of your heart, the issues that we as people, especially at Christmas, but also throughout the year, the issues that we face. And I think there's two emotions that come out in these two, next two clips. So we'll show the first one, I'll say a few things, and then we'll show clip number so how many of you on Boxing Day, when all the in-laws have gone home and you've tidied up, are going to react the same way as Kevin McAllister? I made my family disappear. At Christmas particularly, you know, we love our families and nobody's got a perfect family. But there are times when we just kind of, the, the, the downtime starts and we realize, oh, thank God they've gone home. <laughs> but it, <laughs> so the emotion I want you to grab hold of in that in that clip is the pure joy. It's the boy realizing that he is the man of the house, that he is the one. His wishes have come true. He wished that he would never see his horrible, because you saw those horrible and you heard those horrible things that Kevin's own family said about him. So he was like, yes, they've gone. But again, if, if you want a freebie, so you're thinking, what can I learn from home alone? And this is a serious point. The, the first five, you know, maybe a little bit silly, but the, this is a, honestly, this is a serious thing that you could learn from that clip and from Kevin's experience of wishing his family away and they go away and he, ne well, he thinks he's never ever going to see them again, is at Christmas particularly, is appreciate your family, is don't wish them away. Be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Now, this is a really serious point and I know I've kind of uh, said a few silly things to begin with, but at Christmas, 
Christmas is full of joy, like Kevin jumping on the bed and excited, and he ate ice cream, and he, did all, he stayed up late, and he did all the things that he could never do because of his parents. And we get excited about Christmas. We do so many things at Christmas that we would never do any other time of the year. We eat things that have deep fat fried and, 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 and covered in cream and covered in stuff and covered in brews and, and brandy that we would never eat at the normal time of the year. We get excited and we get like Kevin, just full of joy and full of excitement. But there's a serious side to Christmas. And I think everyone in this room, um, certainly those that aren't in this bracket of people, one day you will be, is that as well as the joy that we associate with Christmas... There's also a whole heap of sadness. You might have lost someone. You might have gone through a, a, a divorce or a relationship breakdown. You might have become bankrupt or you've gone for some financial trouble. You might have something that you attach to Christmas that is amongst all of the joy, there's some sadness. There's some brokenness. So Home Alone is a silly comedy, but there's some seriousness in that as well, actually. Amidst all of the fun and the excitement and the great mountaintop experience that Kevin went through, he also went through a deep, deep, dark valley, which we'll get onto now when we show you clip number two. So life can throw that kind of stuff out of us, can't it? So we get confident, maybe a little bit cocky. Life is going well for me, but just around the corner can be a big Kevin McAllister scream that actually, I'm actually afraid. I might have at one moment, one minute, got myself together and be really, um, everything is okay, everything is hunky-dory. But then next moment, I realize actually there's so much fear there's so many things to be afraid of. Kevin had the basement to be afraid of. That big, scary um, boiler downstairs in the basement really made eight-year-old Kevin scared. He also had old man Marley. You saw in that image his neighbor who, you know, there were many, many stories told by the little boys and girls in that neighborhood about old man Marley, about how he'd killed people and ate people. You know, all sorts of horrible, scary things. But old man Marley... Um, as we get towards the end of the film, he's the hero because he saves Kevin. Um, so he's not as bad. He's nowhere near as bad as people, as, as the neighborhood made out. So Kevin's got a lot to be scared of. You know, he, he nearly gets run over. He gets accused of shoplifting. He, he, you know, at the end of the day, he's got two grown men, burglars, experienced burglars, the wet bandits, who are hunting him down, trying to, at the very least, hurt him. But, you know, they would probably kill him at the end of the day to get what they wanted, which was all the money and the riches in that wonderful family home which the McAllisters had. So he was under threat. He had a lot going on, a little bit like you and me. We have stuff coming at us. We sometimes feel as if we're in a battle. We feel like we're kind of um, our... We're trying to guard and, and protect ourselves from all sorts of things that the world will throw at us. And we haven't yet experienced all of those trials and tribulations that, unfortunately, Jesus promises that we will receive. We, life as a Christian is never meant to be easy. And Kevin McAllister knew that, and so do you and I. And it's kind of like the story of um, these two clips, these two emotions. You've got the joy, the mountaintop experience, the pure joy of Christmas. Wow! The wonder, the glory, the beauty, the majesty of Christmas. And then you've also got the valley experience, the deep, dark wilderness. I'm scared. I don't know where to turn. I am all alone. Christmas is difficult. Life is difficult. So you've got these two kind of um, ends of a spectrum. And, and many of us are somewhere in between, traveling between the two. We, we, we reach a mountaintop experience. And then fortunately, somewhere down the line, we've got to go back down that mountain and we hit the valley again. And then sometimes we're in the valley and things are going really bad. But don't worry. There's a way out. There's a way out. You'll get to that mountaintop anytime, very soon. But 
you know, that's kind of where we're at. And I think Kevin McAllister um, puts it really well in kind of, we've got that kind of joyous experience at one end of the, ex- the spectrum when we're jumping on the bed, eating ice cream and watching movies and, and do all the things that we'd love to do. And then you've got the other side of things where you're hiding, cowering under the bed. Sca- you're completely terrified and scared of what is going on. That, in some ways, sums up, in my opinion, not only our state, but also the state of humanity before we get to the baby Jesus. The people of God constantly, over centuries, disobeyed and rejected God. And they ended up in captivity. They ended up in slavery in Egypt. They ended up in the wilderness, wandering the wilderness. They ended up in, in exile. They, they had these mountaintop experiences. The great promise. You will receive amazing things. You will inherit the promised land. You will get these great mountaintop experiences. But so many times throughout the Bible, from beginning to the end, the people of God were in the wilderness. They were in the under-the-bed cowering. Kevin McAllister scared, screaming their heads off because they forgot what it was to be promised and what it was to be up there in the valley, in the, on the mountain. It's a little bit like the life of Jesus in some ways. Jesus, you know, was born and it's all exciting. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, but Easter is on the way. He's born, he's born, baby, 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 lovely, lovely, lovely. Cross is coming. It's, that's kind of the way in which life is sort of set out. So I'm going to read a scripture from um, the Nativity. So we're going to bring this now for the final part of this message into um, the nativity. We're going to look at Matthew 1. I'm going to read part of the Christmas story. Um, and then I'm going to share. I've only really got one thing to share with you today. So don't worry if you're thinking, wow, he spent half of his message doing the introduction. It's okay. We're, we're nearly there. I've got one thing to say to you today. So if you're thinking, oh, this is a, it's a 20 second. I'm thinking about the turkey. Today's message is one thing for you to remember. So that's all you need. So all this Home Alone stuff is just setting the scene. We're going to get to the point at the end of this verse, in the end of this um, passage of Scripture, in Matthew 1, verse 18. And you're listening out for the last four words. If your attention span is four words max, you've got, you've got it at the end of this passage. Here we go. Matthew 1, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, I don't know if he spoke like that, but son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23, look, this comes from Isaiah, look, it was prophesied centuries before, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Hear those four words, get your attention, click back in gear. God is with us. If you feel home alone today, the encouraging message, the one thing that you can take away from today is this. God is with you. When you're under a battle, when you're under siege, when life is throwing all sorts of horrible things at you and horrible words and horrible experiences, God is with you. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's what the birth of Jesus, when he came as a baby in a manger, that's what it was all about. There was chaos. There was tragedy. The people of God were nowhere. They completely missed the point. They were in exile. They, had, they were not at home. They were aliens in their own hometowns. 
And there came a time after a long period of waiting, of yearning. There's a song, the Christmas carol, Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. I forget the rest of the lines, but you get that kind of sense of yearning that, oh, come on, come on, now is the time. It's Kevin waiting at home. Mom, when are you coming home? Dad, when are you coming home? When is somebody going to do something about this situation? When is somebody going to do something about how I feel right now? Well, don't fret. Emmanuel has not only come, but he is coming to you this Christmas. And not only is he coming to you this Christmas, he is coming back again. He is coming when wiping all the tears. He is coming to fix everything and repair everything so that whatever you are facing right now, whatever onslaught, whatever battle that you are in, he will fix, fix it because he is God with us. Think about the Christmas story for a minute. Think about Mary and Joseph. She was a teenager. She was a virgin. Joseph would have had all sorts of insecurities about this whole experience because he's had, you know, bringing up a child that isn't technically his own and he's got all that kind of stuff to deal with. Get, you know, there's the census, if you know the Christmas story, there's the census, so they end up traveling a long way, pregnant, heavily pregnant woman, traveling to Bethlehem to, to, to sort of register their names and, it's, and they get there, so, it's so busy, there's nowhere for them to stay, as you know from the Christmas story and the nativity, I'm not telling you anything new. But, but they get into this point where, their ideal, the promise, the dreams that they had in the early part of the Christmas story. Wow, you will give birth to a son. You will, you will parent the, the Messiah. Wow, what a mountaintop. Wonderful, jump on the bed kind of experience. You know what, I'm going to be the mom and dad of the baby Jesus. Crash back down under the bed, down to earth. There's no room. You're giving birth in a stable. It's grotty, it's dirty, no one's expected you, no one even cares that you're here. The Messiah should be born in a castle, he should be given a white horse, he should be given a triumphant entry, but no, he's born in an anticlimax, a stable. And get this, this is the kind of verse within the Christmas story that we don't often read. And our, because we're talking about a graphic, you know, slightly violent um, film let's just read a violent scripture just while we're at it <laughs> this is in the bible i promise matthew 2 13 after the wise men were gone an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream by the way joseph gets a lots of dreams in the in the nativity he receives and, and listens and responds to a lot of dreams he's a really good person to look at in the bible because he must have had that close connection with god because he wouldn't have responded to all of those dreams the dream says get Get up, flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Lovely nativity story at your primary school near you. King Herod is going to kill the baby boys. We don't often hear it at Christmas. But a little bit like Kevin McAllister defending his house. Imagine what Joseph went through. He's got his young family. He's been sent to Egypt. He's now in exile. He's now in a place that isn't home. He is now completely, obviously he's got, he's got Mary and Jesus. But he's completely, in, in some respects, alone. And he's defending, I don't know whether he booby-trapped his house. But he probably needed to because Herod was on his case. And the story goes, eventually Herod dies and it kind of dies down and it's okay. And that's why Jesus moves to Nazareth. But they're in Egypt for a while, and we don't often cover that in the Christmas story. So I often think, well, you know, what, what would have gone through Joseph's head, or what would have gone through Kevin McAllister's head if Kevin was Joseph? What would he have done in that situation? And I don't know. He might have booby-trapped the house, 
But I also think about, he would have known some scripture. He would have known some of the Bible. He potentially, if he had a version Bible app open on his phone, he would have opened up Psalm 23, and he'd have read something that goes a little like this. The Lord is my shepherd. Bearing in mind, he's got death threats on, on Jesus' life. He's, he's in big trouble. This is, this is not what he expected when he was told that he would be a parent of the, the Messiah. When he was told that Christmas is great, it's so exciting, but really, in, in, in reality, it can be tough. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack no thing or nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the, nut, the right paths for his name's sake. Even, here we go, thinking of valleys, thinking about, wow, mountaintop experience. Wow, jumping on the bed, eating ice cream. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Christmas is great. Woohoo! There's a valley. There's a valley on the way. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Here's that phrase, Emmanuel, again. For you are with me. If you are, I don't know if you are. I don't know if you're in a similar boat to Kevin McAllister. But if you're going through some dark stuff, if you're going through some difficult times, even though you walk through the darkest valley, the valley, the valley in some translation, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And a few things just to pull out of that scripture. And this is kind of where I'm just bringing it to. I'm, my, my message is this. If you're making notes and if, if, you, if you ran out of ink and you've got not got much you know, space on your paper, it's okay. All you need is this. God is with us. God is with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Even if I'm hiding under the bed, cowering because there are people attacking me, because people are saying horrible things to me, because life didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Christmas didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I had all these plans. I put all these trimmings out, and it really was horrible. Christmas was rubbish. Hopefully it won't be, but just in case it is. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Emmanuel, Christmas, the baby Jesus was born to say, God is with you guys. You're not on your own. You are home. I haven't even given you my title. I've only got six minutes left. This is my title, Home, Not Alone. You are not alone. No matter how you feel, whatever you are thinking this Christmas time, even if there's no one sat around that dinner table on Christmas Day, you are still not alone. He is with you. Whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, this is my one point. Don't forget it. God is with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even if I'm Kevin McAllister and I've got the whole world against me and I'm all on my own, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Just taking that scripture, if we can flash it back up, Baz, the Psalm 23 one, just as a reference point, just a few things that that scripture tells us to do. Or just So if you're a practical person saying, yeah, I hear it every year, Emmanuel, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I get that. It, it's a lovely song. It's a lovely word. What does that actually mean in reality? What should I do? Here's a few things. Why don't you trust him to meet your needs? I lack nothing. Trust him to meet your needs. And now, I don't mean trust him to enable you to meet your own needs, because that can be relying on your own 
strength. I can sort myself out. God will give me enough. And he will give you enough to ensure that you can do what you need to do. But sometimes our strength is not enough. Sometimes we need something more than strength. We need his grace and his strength. So we need, don't try and do this in your own strength. Maybe this Christmas, today, this season, maybe you need to lie down. I'm telling you on a Sunday morning, you can all go home and have an afternoon nap. As long as it's on a green pasture. Go home and rest. Not just, because a lot of us say this, I'm tired. And I believe you, if when you go and have a sleep, you are better after it. But when you have a sleep, you have a little nap. You're exactly the same after it. So there's more to it than just physical tiredness. This scripture, it's more than just having a nap and feeling better because you've lost a few hours the night before. This is about lying down and getting spiritual nourishment rest. So this Christmas, make it a priority. Make the turkey a secondary priority. Make the the presence a secondary priority. The number one priority is I'm going to lie down. I'm going to rest. I'm going to allow myself. It might be busy. I might be doing some work, but I'm going to rest in him. I'm going to rest because he restores my soul. Allow God to refresh and restore you. You know, this scripture, the sheep had to trust the shepherd. Maybe this Christmas, what you need to do is say, God, no matter what is going on over here, over here, in my heart, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that what your Bible says is true. I'm going to believe that when it's, it says I'm going to be okay. I am going to be okay. When it says you will sleep and you will rest and sleep s- sweetly and soundly, I am going to sleep sweetly and soundly. I'm going to take hold of the promises and I'm going to believe them for myself in the Bible. I am not in my sin anymore. I am made and washed clear, cl- clean. I, I'm a new creation. All these things that you sometimes hear in a nice little devotional book, but do you actually believe it? This Christmas, let's believe. When we read the Bible next year, let's actually believe what it says about you. And then, we're nearly there. What's the one point you're going to take home with you today? Yeah, well done. I've got no other points. So if you're expecting more, I'm so sorry. I'll have to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to need to go back to my... Um, I haven't really got a study. It's the dining room table. I'm going to get back on that table. And next time, I'm going to bring some more substance to this message. But you've got one thing to remember. So when you're having dinner later on, you know what? God is with us. When you're at work on Monday, if you've got work on Monday, and it's just horrible because it's the last day or whatever it might be, or you've got some difficult times ahead or some, or, some awkward family encounters ahead, God is with me. But the sheep listen to the voice of the good shepherd. And you know what's really interesting? Most of the time when you hear God's voice in the Bible, or you read about God's voice being heard in the Bible, it's never really a booming voice. It's never really a loud shout. So many people, you could, you could even argue the devil, the enemy shouts and makes a lot of noise and says a lot of things really, really loudly so that you need to, or, tr- or you think you need to listen. But actually, most of the time, even in a whirlwind, even in an earthquake, even in a fire in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, Elijah hears the voice of God in a whisper, the still, small voice. So what are you going to do this Christmas to be home but not alone? I am going to sit and listen. 
to the still, small voice. Why doesn't God shout? Why doesn't he shout so that you hear and listen and you respond? Because it'd be really annoying for Rob right now. I haven't prepared this. If I was to shout in his ear, you know what? The reason God doesn't shout is because he's really, really close. He's really close. He's not far away. He's really, really close. So you would really not like it if God shouted because he's right next to you. Emmanuel, God with us. So think, a couple more scriptures and then I'm done. They're really quick and they say almost the same thing. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me. So if you want Emmanuel in your life, you need to seek him. Seek him or seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. This Christmas, don't be half-hearted towards Jesus. Don't put other things as the priorities. Money, popularity, friends, family, your own emotions. Put Jesus as the number one. Seek him with your whole heart and he will find you. You will find him. And then James verse, um, James 4 verse 8 says, Come close to God. He doesn't need to shout because he's close. And God will come close to you. It also goes on to say, here's some challenge. Just I'm going to mic drop this and you can go away and think about this over your dinner. But wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Same thing again. Put Jesus first this Christmas. Everything else, second and third. I'm going to bring things to a close. I'm also aware in this room that in the same way, some people haven't watched Home Alone. Some of you aren't Christian. You've come to church and you're not actually a Christian. So all the stuff that I've been saying about God with us, it doesn't mean much to you because you're like, well, God isn't with me. I've not known God. I've not even experienced God. I, I, he feels so far away. If he, even if he shouted, I still wouldn't hear him. He's so far away. I don't, I'm not a Christian. And I just wanted to encourage everybody who is a Christian, but also just to say, if you're not a Christian, there's an opportunity today. We wouldn't want you to leave this room having not received an opportunity to say and listen to the whisper. thing about the story of home alone is the end when the mother is reunited with her son her last son and it reminds me of the song that we sang reckless love the father would do anything to be reunited with you it, the, the lines in the bridge go there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up you're coming after there's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Emmanuel is coming. Emmanuel is coming after you. God with us. In a second, I'm going to pray. But again, if you're not a Christian, 
and you're looking ahead to the future and you're thinking, well, life is okay now, but what about when the end comes? What about the future? This is a great scripture. There's one final scripture and this is it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. The band are going to come back up and we're going to, we're going to sing and perhaps Sarah will maybe direct you to where you need to go if you want to receive Jesus, if you want to become a Christian today. That's how we're going to run things this morning. But um, I'm just going to read this scripture and I want you to listen. Just if you've not listened to anything I've said, remember, God is with you. I want you to really listen to this final scripture. After I've read the scripture, I'm going to pray. I'm going to hand over to the team and we're going to sing. We're going to rejoice. Because actually, in some ways, my message has been a little bit, you know, you could argue somber. You could argue it's been a little bit, well, Christmas is good, but actually life can be tough. And that is very much true. But actually, there is so much more to rejoice about. And in this song, Rejoice, it actually mentions Emmanuel coming down for you. And I, you know, I'm so glad that I have Emmanuel, God with us in my life. I'm so, I don't know where I would be without God in my life. I'm so grateful.